this is Fintech Unplugged with Suresh Vajani and me, Robert Cornish. Did you recover from... Recover? Yeah, from I'm, the... I'm still uh, going. You know. <laughs> Haven't you noticed a party hat? <laughs> I've still got a bottle of vodka in my hand. I'm talking about the pantomime. Oh, that! Yeah. No. I thought it was a very good production that Blue oh, Train no, did. no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, Blue Train... Tom and Jeff. It's a bit like Tom and Jerry, isn't it, really? Which all one's the cat? All these fairy tales and all of this stuff. Yeah. You know what? When fairy I think dust. of fairy tales, right, there's one guy in the industry, right? Yeah. There's one guy yeah. who always talks about the industry and he refers to it as Narnia. Narnia? Now, ladies what, and gentlemen, <laughs> wonder who do you think that could be? I can't do it as good as Diane. No, Diane has got... Hello, boys and girls. Let's introduce you to Narnia. And as our special guest today, we have Tish. Tish was the first person I met that referred to our industry as Narnia. Tish is with us now in the new year. Tish, welcome on board. Hello, hello. Thank you very much, chaps. Thank you. Nice to be here. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself? And actually, I want you to talk to us about your story of, uh, of, Narnia. of Narnia. I've never heard of anybody refer to this industry about Narnia. So I want you to, a bit of your background, and I want you to tell us about Narnia. Okay, so I, uh, I for my sins, I'm actually a chartered accountant. That does explain the <laughs> yeah, grey <sorry>. suit, <laughs> the stupid white shirt and tie. Don't worry, we've got lawyers on we've here. We've got lawyers, well. yeah. We're, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, we were all pretending, exactly, right? We, exactly. We were all pretending to do these professions, and then we realised we actually wanted to do something else. So about, I think it was about 2000 and, 2005, something like that. We were, I was at a firm called uh, BDO. And we were handling the insolvency of all sports. And I remember back then, we had a load of gift cards that we had an issue with. And legally, gift cards become worthless at the point of insolvency. And my idea back then was, why doesn't someone actually create a product that protects the consumer against retailer insolvency? And then obviously, like with all good ideas, you just shelve them, put the back of your head, and that's it. Done. And then, you know, your career does what it does. And then twenty around 2010... I thought I'll just give it a go. I'll give it a go. And how do I go about getting all these retailers on board? And then I found prepay. I found Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> and it was literally like finding this wardrobe and this land. And it's like, oh my God, everything's here. Imagine what I could do when I put it all together. Because I didn't think people from my world, and they still don't. They thought I was mental going from this really nice career in insolvency and restructuring to creating what they thought was gift cards. But I didn't realise it was actually we're creating a payments business, right? It's payments, fundamentally. They just couldn't link it all together. And for me, is my world didn't know that this place existed. I didn't even know it existed. So I found Narnia. And it's a question of what I could do with it, right? And this place I just saw was, was still, still snowing. Still, still snowing. snowing. Right? It was just snow everywhere. Sunshine, summer hadn't arrived yet. And then I see all these other prepaid programmes coming in and they're doing this, that, the other. And I'm well... I'm still happy doing my thing. Yeah. So that's why I call it Narnia. So, that's so just to clarify, Robert, when we talk about snowing, we're not talking about no. white pieces yeah. of yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm just getting that from him generally. So, Tish, you decided to launch some little program, which I'm sure no one's ever heard of, right? Right. But actually, it's been hugely successful. You've won awards. So tell me about the actual program that you launched. Okay, so we weren't really sure. I remember me and my co-founder, he, at the time Andy was the UK sales director for Dulux Paints. And I remember we, 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 we took a room in this, in this one of their think tank buildings and we just 
we we whiteboarded out what we knew and what we didn't know, and what we didn't know we had to go and find out. Okay, so we it was it was a journey. Yeah, so what we created was the way the prepaid market knows it is a prepaid card, right? But the world knows it as a spend anywhere gift card. Spend anywhere gift card. Spend anywhere gift Sounds card, good. which you can only buy over the internet. Cool. And the whole point was to try and personalize it, so you are literally buying their perfect gift. Because <laughs> ah. what, what a recipient wants is they want money. Yeah. And what we yeah. were trying to do is personalize cash. Which is a nice thing to do, because people, it's a bit dirty giving someone cash in an envelope. Exactly. I mean, Suresh does it all the time, but, <laughs> but obviously that's different. But if you want to give someone a gift, a piece of paper that says this is this is the, the your perfect gift is is, is nice. Um, this what, is what what did you think of calling the, the company name then? I'm just wondering. Well, that was Andy's idea, right? So what, what, orig- originally it was called Love from Me. Love from Me. Because yeah, oh, emotive. That's, yeah. that's, 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 that's Robert. More, that's yeah, more me yeah. than the dirty brown envelope. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say. Sorry, yeah, did so, it finally come out. So it's now Love from Me became. It's now their perfect gift. Yeah, their perfect gift. Their perfect gift. Nice. I wonder if the last two was, was it their perfect gift or their perfect gift? I'm sure that sounds like there was a battle at the end. Yeah, because like, it, it was it was love from me, the strap line, their perfect gift. Yeah? Ah. And, and then all of a sudden what we had was we had more corporates buying from us. So what originally was a B2C proposition became a B2B proposition. So like 80% of our customers are now corporate. Okay. So, and they were like, well... Uh, guys, we like the product, we like how it works, like the consumer journey, there's just, just no hassle. We just don't like the word love. <laughs> so we had to come up with something that didn't have the word love in it. So we were rewarded. That was because you're an accountant, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, what the hell? There's no love do? in accountancy. There's no love, right? So <laughs> so we had to, then came out with a rewards brand. Now we had love from me and rewards. And now you've got to grow two brands. And, just, and then it all came easy just to go, let's just call it their perfect gift, go with one. Nice. Makes sense. So let me dive into the bin of confusion and see if there's any uh, accounting-backed questions in here. Ah, okay. This, This is... This is weird that they've actually got one that's accounting based, and this this is probably the most complex question ever. I mean, I, I was with UK GCVA for many years on their legal committee. VAT rules changing on gift cards is that going to affect the cards that are not store branded standard cards? Yeah, basically? absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. Means we're just going to shift the load more. It's as simple as that. So, what is this change? So, okay, so right now, if you buy a retailer specific gift card. There is a twenty percent VAT attached in that in that purchase price. So if you bought hundred pounds worth of store gift card, there's twenty percent of that is VAT. And if you are a corporate entity that is VAT registered, you can recover that twenty percent. Okay, that's what it is stands today. And what happens when you spend that gift card at the retailer? Is there some offset on the VAT on the goods that you're buying at that point? No, you've already paid the VAT on the card. Why would you pay the VAT on the goods as well? No, because the so you buy you buy the gift cards. Yeah. So you buy hundred pounds worth of of face value. Yeah. And you're covering <coughs> twenty quid as in, of input that. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're now giving that away yeah. to customers, uh, staff, etc. They then come and redeem. So the the retailer has now accounted for that VAT at the point that they've sold you the gift card. So does a retailer then, when you spend it back at them, have to account for it a second time? No. So there is no VAT on the... So if, you, if you're buying buy a 100 quid gift card, the retailer collects 20 quid VAT on that from you. You then spend that 100 quid re- at the shop 
for a hundred quid dress. Yeah. That's got twenty percent VAT on it. Yeah. So that's an eighty quid dress. Which is now all starts getting confusing. Right? Yes. Right. So it's unconfuse it. Okay. Narnia so man. right. Okay. So in fact, it was very good because uh, PwC did a presentation on this particular topic at the IMA in October. And all of this now change basically means that there's not going to be all the retailer gift cards are going to be VAT exempt. Oh wow! Okay, so there's no VAT on that retailer gift card from, as I understand it, from the end of January this year. Because as far as I remember, there was some sort of they had to work out what it was most likely to be spent on. Because obviously, if you're buying it on children's clothes, yeah, there is no VAT. Tea, if you're yeah. buying food, it's a different rate to. So as I'm understanding, this is all part of this EU harmonisation. The time of it is beautiful, right? Because, you know, apparently we're leaving, yeah? So <laughs> it's nice to be all, all joined up about it. So right now, or so what's going to happen is you cannot, you cannot recover your, as a company, you cannot recover the input that. Okay. Okay. So that means if you buy a £100 gift card, then it's going to cost you 100 quid no recovery. Unless whatever discount you can negotiate. Yeah. So if you're now the corporate entity, you're going, well, why would I buy a £100 of a gift card that I can spend in only one place, where I can buy a hundred pound of a gift card, you can spend anywhere. Ah, so this is going to be the new. This is what's opening the doors for more sales for you. Well, I, I, I'm hoping so. So now it's all about about awareness, right? So now we want to shift as much product as we can as we can possibly manage. And obviously, our podcast getting out to. I think we're into double digits now. We're like twelve I think we've got people. Twelve. We might have thirteen this year. Yeah. So that could be thirteen more. <laughs> Be thirteen more. Sales. No, fourteen. I'm going to get my mum to listen to. Oh, right. so, uh, yeah. so I mean, so this this could be revolutionary for your 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 product. <laughs> well, why not? Let, you know, when the sales go through the roof, I say, boys, look what you did for me. Right? <laughs> we got double digit sales. <laughs> Ten more cards this month. Fantastic. Yeah. Why don't you dive right, in? I'm going to let me go in. Let's see. Come oh. back. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Interesting. So, Tish. Gift cards have been getting a bad press due to the expiry dates. Now, from what I remember, like 300 million is year, a year is actually lost in prepaid That's cards. That's a good memory, Suresh. That is. It's great that it's written down. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, questionnaire, the questionnaire helped you on that one. You, you've thrown me off what I was reading. I don't know what you're reading. 300 million a year was lost in prepaid cards and they've been misplaced, expired, or the company's gone bust. Expiry dates are already banned in some countries. <laughs> Why not here in the UK? Maybe that last bit's for Robert, but the earlier bit's for you. Yeah, okay. So, in fact, I think that number might be higher. So, I am getting this number, obviously, from the UK GBCA, who I believe are getting it from their accountants, the accounting firm that I also used to work for. Yeah, because they provide the service Just, for the UK GCBA. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's all confidential. Well, look, it's... Except it, for it's, the end numbers. Yeah, but it's it's also, you know, it's on their website. It's, it's out yeah. in the open domain. It is what it but is. But you don't right? know which companies produce that information because no, it's I don't. anonymous. Anonymous, right. Yeah. So so there's a whole heap of extrapolation, etc. So I'm I'm calculating from the numbers they're publishing that the market is around six billion or more in the UK. Yeah. And the market average for non redemption is anywhere between eight to ten percent. So we're looking at about four hundred and eighty million to six hundred million a year non redeemed for whatever reason. Okay. And the majority of those are the ones given to family members for skydiving that you want to get rid of. Yeah. Suresh, did you ever use that one I got you? <laughs> no, because I think you would have given me one without a parachute. parachute. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought I gave you the puffer fish for beginners diet. <laughs> so so that's, that's basically that, that market, right? But 
if you're a retailer to have a gift card operation, you've got to have one because statistically, if someone starts redeeming, they'll end up spending 40% more above the value of the gift card in their store. And the beauty of gift cards is, by and large, the purchaser of a gift card is never the recipient. They're two different parties. Yeah. And we, as a nation, we are buying more and more gift cards because we want to give a gift and we want to somehow personalise it because that's the kind of people we are. And the way we try and personalise it is through the store you're buying for. I think you shop here. Therefore, I thought about you. What I'm basically saying, I had jack idea what to get you, but I'm going to pretend that I thought about you. Going back on that, though, this probably happens to all of us, but yeah. literally, it's it's Christmas Eve, all the shops are in shut, and you think, oh my God, I've got those guests coming first thing in the morning. There's nowhere I can... What can I do? So the only place you can get anything is to go online. Do you, do you find that there's any peaks at, at, at like, midnight Christmas Eve... <laughs> Damn, what am I going to give my... Yeah, I mean, so, so when you look at that market as a whole, you get 50% of that six billion yeah. is done in the, the nine months leading up to the year end. Okay. And then three billion is done in that last quarter. No. Yeah, wow. three billion in that last quarter, just in the UK, right? But you also find, though, that the market is split roughly 50-50 consumer and corporate. Okay. So you've got this massive growing market in the corporate arena. Everybody focuses on the consumer element, but there's a massive corporate piece. And that's the bit that we all forget. And that happens all the time. Because right now, you are rewarded and recognised for being a customer. Or loyalty. And the problem is, if you're a large corporate, how do you know what all your customers want? It's really difficult, right? Whereas if they buy your gift card for a store you can buy whatever you like at, that's where they want to be. Yeah, no, I can see that. Yeah, and it's growing. We were just, we just found Narnia at the right, right time. So on that topic, I'm, I I recall last time I saw you, Tish, we were actually at the the Amazon Business Awards, and pissed. and obviously there was a few drinks that were in flow, <laughs> and one of the things that you actually did, and I thought it it was an a, an amazing explanation, is you were able to explain the payments <laughs> ecosystem in relation to <laughs> drug dealing. What, whilst under the influence? <laughs> whilst under the influence. And, and he that said that we should impressive. never repeat it. But actually, <laughs> I want you to explain to all the audience what the payments industry does in relation to drug dealing. Uh, okay, you've got me on that topic. <laughs> okay. so we're back to the snow again. We're back to snow. <laughs> okay, look, it's, it's basically about the infrastructure, right? There is a very complex supply chain in payments. And unless you're in payments, you don't really fully appreciate it. So today there's lots of programs running around and they're popular because they're fundamentally not charging their users anything. Yeah, that okay. always makes it good value. And, and, I, and I use the term user, yeah? Because that's fundamentally what, what these okay, people yeah, are. Yeah. As opposed to not customer. Not customer. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so a user is a potential freeloader. An active user is a definite freeloader. A customer, however, is someone who pays. Okay. You're making money from. A good customer pays you what you want when you want them to pay it. Great customer does the above, tells all their friends, keeps coming back. Yeah. Okay. Now, in the ecosystem of payments, you have a very convoluted supply chain, depending which partners you plug in. Yeah. And every time a prepaid card, debit card, whatever you want to call it, is used, these partners charge because they bring something to the table. Yeah. And some partners have more power and more coverage than others. And some partners you definitely need. Because without them, you haven't got a product. 
And to replicate them is going to take more money than we could ever put together in our lifetimes. In our lifetimes, right? Because that's what they built. But some of these partners have only been around 60 years. Okay? But they have got a massive, massive reach. So if they're not part of your program, it doesn't work. It's then you're going a bit like your original question, right? That supply chain is convoluted, it's complex, it's based on relationships, coverage, ecosystem, and a supply of a product. If you do not have the supply at the at the very top, you've got no product. So today, most people are very valuable because how they market to the end user. What the user doesn't realize is all the convoluted products, uh, the supply chain behind the scenes. So come on, let's relate it. Let's let's. Uh, so how does that relate on? to the drug scene? Okay, so I've got I've got this. I've got a box set. I watch called Power, which I quite like. I think what Tish is trying to say is his knowledge of drugs has got nothing to do with his own experience. Oh, it's from watching a box set. That's where yeah. he's got oh, the knowledge. So he's disassociating Correct. himself with so, the action. So now we've cleared <laughs> okay. that. We okay. can maybe put a health warning in this that yeah. Tish does not take drugs yeah. that or, we're aware or, or of. Or dealing drugs, yeah. to be fair. Anymore. Let's be... And <laughs> no, 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 no caveats. Yeah. And he can talk freely because we know that he, everything he's learned is from a box set. It's a great box set. It's a, watch Power is great. How do you spell Power? That's in Power, you know. P-A-W-A. Power. <laughs> So okay. what what you've got in that if you've if, if anyone has watched the the box set what you've got is something called the Jimenez Jimenez cartel and then you've got Lobos who is the connect for the Jimenez cartel and then Lobos has his distro his distribution points of all the cities around the world mm-hmm. and that that every distro has their own primeras the people that then that run the operations to get the product to consumers okay yeah. so now tell us which component sits in what. No, I'll let you work that out, Suresh. <laughs> it's all about where, where's coverage. The, where, where's the processor in that? Where, where is the processor in I don't that? Know, you tell me. It's, it's, Which it's, one's the yeah, processor? Yeah, I mean, we can work out what the distributor is, and we can we certainly know where the where the product comes from. Well, at the end of the day, you've basically got to move the product around, right? The product's got to move, and every industry you could look at at the supply chain. Everything's got a supply chain, and if you look at the most convoluted. Industries, even if you look at any retail operation, they have a very complex supply chain. How do you get to the raw material, to the manufacturing, to then you can you can transpose it into different ways? Yeah, tricky, <laughs> tricky. Let let let's let's go. Before yeah. we go any further, let me just dive into this. We have, we have a worried lawyer on here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm putting so many caveats on this, you won't believe it. Okay, here we are. What is your view on the universal scope of open banking? applying to every financial services business against actual demand. Have the regulators created a behemoth hammer? What on earth? I don't know who writes these. To crack an unknown knot. Going back to crack again there. Um, (laughs) So. And nuts. So, any thoughts on that question? Okay, well look. Do you want to translate it first? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to try and work that out, Robert. Okay, so look, there's there is a lot of there's a lot of popularity around challenger banks and stuff at the yes. moment. And, and you know, as you guys know, my background is is coming from insolvency, and so I'm going to tell you things that I know and things that I believe. Okay, and what I do know is with open banking is going to make freedom of movement easier. Okay. Okay. Well, movement of funds. Movement of funds. Mover of mo- uh, the ability to switch providers. Yeah. But what I also do know is that as a result of that, 
and the way that our our society moves and every demographic moves is loyalty to to various providers is limited. When you look at the behaviours of different demographics, the conservativeness of the baby boomer, then Generation X, is becoming less conservative and less sticky than it used to be. Yeah, I don't if believe they in get life. A price, they'll move. They'll move. They'll move. Right. So, what do you? What are people really lawful? People loyalty. Their loyalty now relies on what they can get, and that's fine as long as you know where you stand. But what is the lifetime value of a customer today? Three, five years? Ain't thirty. Things have moved, right? When you look at the market in lots of products, it's being demonstrated. Now, what do I know? I know that if you keep spending money, 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 and you don't make any money, you're going to run out of money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. that makes sense. And when you run out of money, you go bust. True. Okay. So unless some... you can get another round of funding at a higher valuation. Ah, okay. So at some point you're gonna go bust. We're back to power again. <laughs> back to power, right? So what do we do know is that you run out if you run out of cash you go bust. What I believe is that loyalty is limited. People will move. So if you've got your user base used to not paying anything and you're giving them money to be a user or an active user, they definitely still not loyal to you because they're still not used to paying anything. Yeah. Uh, recent example, uh, Facebook, what they buy, what's that for? $17 billion? Something like that, right? 450 million regular users. No customers, didn't make a bean. Then they wanted to charge them $1 a year. Millions turned it off. What's that proof? Proves when you're used to something not paying, you ain't gonna pay. And I love this whole freemium model. I'll get you hooked on something. Yeah, we're back yeah. to it again. And then hopefully I can charge you something more for something flashier. The new people, they'll look at that and go, whatever. You're going to charge me, I'm out. It's just how it's going to work. So yeah. do you think, you know, in terms of fintech, are we, is there a bubble? What's your thoughts on this? Oh, yeah. We're here again. And I, I look, I, we've seen it before, right? E- economies... We rise and we fall, right? It goes up, it goes down. It, there's always these peaks and troughs. And I actually believe we are back in another bubble. Now, the last the last recession that we had, the one that we, we didn't really feel, but we probably should have felt, it was around 2008. But that was largely on debt. A lot of these businesses today, they have no debt because the banks aren't lending into situations that cannot repay. Now it's all filled of equity. So you've got lots of equity money going into these situations and I've seen it, you know, there's so many businesses built on tech platforms and a lot of it is overspent, regurgitating the wheel in many cases, but with no revenue line. There's no revenue model in these things, but they've got millions of users and active users, no customers. When you start trying to monetize that, see how many people are still loyal. It's almost the same as saying, I've got a restaurant, but now I'm a tech business because you can come into my restaurant and eat for free I'll let yeah. you eat the meal for free, but while you're here, I'm going to sell you some car insurance, home insurance, travel insurance, a mortgage, because I've got you in my captured environment. Bollocks. You ain't buying, because you're just eating a meal. Say thanks very much. See you later. Watch how it pans out. It's going to be interesting, because the, the, there has been a lot of money invested in challenger banks, in fintech, and the rounds are still going through at the moment with, with more funding coming in. And uh, as you say, a lot of them still pre-revenue. Well, not pre-revenue, pre even though positive, I'd even say pre-rev, you know, and I, I, you know, as a result of what I'm seeing and having built our own 
our own business in, in payments have actually gone back into advise back into an insolvency world and and there are people that will buy distressed businesses because they'll bolt it onto something they've already got they've actually got a business they've actually got a customer base they just need the tech and this tech is being built now on investor money and the platforms are built on investor money but no revenue line because it hasn't still been tested yet the user journey piece is fine but at the end of the day, if it's not built on sound business principles, i.e. show me the money, where's the cash? Not seeing, not sure how they'll survive, personally. Not unless you float it somewhere and lots of people buy it because they're user numbers. And I'm not quite sure which uh, stock markets will take it unless you're in the US. What about all these um, products that actually sort of, like the, the in-game fees? So... You, you want to carry on to your next round of Candy Crush, you can either wait 25 minutes or you can pay five cents and you'll get, you get instant gratification. You can start playing again. Do you see that as a growth market? So sort of in-app payments type solutions? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, and those things I think, I think work. And is that where gift cards can come in as well? So I can give you a Candy Crush gift card. Would that fit with your model? Not necessarily our model. The first question, yes, I do see those things working because the the costs of actually being able to keep those operations alive is a fixed cost. Yeah, there's no variability in it. So, for example, the people that run internet businesses, it doesn't cost them every time you log on to their, no. onto their site, right? It's, yeah. like Facebook. it's not costing them every time you come on. However, it does cost the, the card providers every time you use their card. Yes. There's a difference, right? So that's the first thing. So yes, I can see those game things, in-app purchases purchases working, because it makes sense. You've got people who love the product, who don't mind parting with a pound here, and it just makes sense. You've got a user base, you've got active user base, who are now, you are now monetizing into customers. Makes sense, right? And then you've got the advertising. It is what it is. It's a question of whether the next person comes along. If you've got something addictive, Mm. We're back to drugs again, right? Yeah. yeah. But well, isn't isn't Candy Crush like a, a replay of Tetris? Yes, pretty much. Huh? I, I, I've never played Candy Crush. Just oh, it's the same as Candy there. Crush, except with blocks. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, I, I, I just played a new Tetris with a VR, which is mean, really free. You mean like Challenger Banks using prepaid? Like that, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Are they Challenger Banks or are they Bank Challengers? <laughs> back to David Parker's question. Yeah, there you go, on. right? So then, and then, uh, and then going back to your other question regarding does it fit with our model... No, because if you're a Candy Crush operator, or if you're a retailer, you want me to be able to, as a recipient of a gift card, only spend back with them. Got Whereas you. mine, I want to give you choice. I want to be able to spend it wherever you want. But I also want to protect your money against retailer insolvency. So we don't hold the funds. The issuer holds the funds. The MasterCard license issuer holds the funds. We don't touch the money. Right? So that's how it works. Just thinking that through, though, if that follows through, then... If, I, if I'm Candy Crush, I might still want to accept MasterCard, so your gift card would well, work. Yeah, you won't have a choice. You've got to take it, right? Yeah, that's so, what I'm saying. So, and that's why it's Im- but, important But for to have you as an issuer, well, not an issuer, but as a, as a program manager on that, that program, where is your margin on a $0.05 cents or 20p transactions? Is it, is it still no, viable we, for you? No, so we, we charge the purchaser a fee up front, Okay. Because what we're tra- what we're giving the purchaser is convenience, yeah, security, mm-hmm. personalization. And, and if they spend it in a shop, they're always going to be able to spend it in that shop, even if that shop's gift card's gone bust. Correct, but that's what we're giving the recipient. Yeah, because you're two different people. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're giving you these aspects. So, 
So of that six billion pound market, the average gift card amount is about 20 quid. Our average is anywhere between 85 to 100 pounds. Okay, so you're in a different segment We're in a different space. market. And we charge roughly about you know 6% above the load. Okay. Okay. But what we're giving to you that is you can only buy it over the internet through your phone yeah. or laptop or whatever. We give you a greeting card. You personalize what you need to do, put the message, and we post it out for you. You know, so they get anything. a physical card. Yeah, in physical the post. card with your nice little greeting card, your lovely message and pictures and everything else on there. So it's, it's, it's almost a whole package service you're pushing out to the end user, to the, to, the, to the recipient of that gift. Yeah. So you're, you're making it into something that the recipient will like. Correct. And they will like the person that's giving it to them more Correct. because of that. Especially if because it's, it's their Because employer. it's their perfect gift. It is their perfect gift. Got a plug in for the name there. <laughs> so, Suresh, have we got any more questions in the bin? We, 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 we're getting to the dregs now. The, the, well, actually, it's, I've, it's I've got be one question for Tish. Because Tish is very, you know, he's very vocal about things in our industry as an observer. Mm. So, you know, which kind of companies or entrants have you seen that you've been impressed with in the space? Okay, so uh, I'm impressed on two different levels at the moment. The first one I'm, I'm impressed by is those that have created products which have a nice user experience because they've managed to tap the psyche in a, in a different way, right? Because a lot of prepay Narnia is still old school in its thinking like a banking, like the, that financial services piece. What I'm impressed about is what the new, a lot of these entrants have done, they've made, they've commercialized it. They made it sexy, okay? And as a result, they've appealed to the user base. So I'm impressed by that. I've not been impressed by the fact that there's no underlying business model. Because there's no cash. I've been impressed by those who've actually got a business model using this product. But they're lacking the sexiness. Right? So the idea is how do you combine them together? Okay? Because running payment cards is not cheap. Marketing to individuals, consumers, is not cheap. You need to be able to marry the two up in a, in a way. There's an awful lot of things you can still do and make money. you just got to be smart about doing it. But also is if you take money from lots of people, you owe them a return, yeah? But if I'm taking money from you, Suresh, so I can acquire Robert and I can keep paying him Ooh. to use my product. Always Thank dealing. you, darling. Yeah? <laughs> I mean, we used to call, there was a term for that. <laughs> yeah? yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a user experience. It's a user experience, right? <laughs> With a happy ending. With a... Oh, always. <laughs> So uh, look, I, I just I just think a lot of people that are in payments, that are in payments, even working for lots of organisations in payments, do they actually truly understand how payments work? Do they understand the supply chain? Do they understand who's charging them? Do they understand any of the intricacies behind the scenes? And I'm probably going to go, no, they don't. So if you had advice for somebody looking to enter the payment space to launch their product, what advice would you give them? Brace yourself. <laughs> Brace yourself. <laughs> Buckle up, yeah. This is not for the faint-hearted. I'd, I'd, I'd encourage you to network that is out of the market first. You can bleep that bit out. You need to know all the players. You nah. need to know all the players. No, I, I, get, I get you, and I, I think you're right. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's a little bit of good knowledge, but it's knowing who to talk to to get the right answers. Because you can get burned, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And we've we've had a. Now I've got a book. I've definitely got a book inside here. And we, you know, you know our story. We've been burnt a couple of times, but at the end of the day, you've got to get back up. And, um, and you Phoenix. know. Phoenix. 
Well, yeah, well, that's the old... Yeah, I can't do that, dude. Not from my insolvency background. We've got to make this work. <laughs> you've got no it, choice. No, this is, you know, when your back's against the wall, yeah, you've got to make sure this flies. But we've done everything on under 200... No, actually, about £250,000 worth of investment. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't raise millions. In fact, we don't need millions. We don't need hundreds and tens. We just don't need it because we're doing it in old school fashion principles. Well, yeah? as, cash. A, as in cash flow positive Yeah, as you, you go. know, you try that. You try that. I'm going to go down that road, yeah? Yeah. yeah. And are you bootstrapping? Not... They call it, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. Are you not <laughs> bootstrapping? Doing... Flies against the wall. Interesting phrases to put together. <laughs> are you not going on crowdfunding? Yeah, we are. We are going to. We're going to launch one um, later on this year. Probably first quarter this year. I think we're going to. We're going to go. We we tried it first time round and it was a bit shit because I didn't really know how to do any marketing and that kind of stuff. And we were learning as we went along. I'm an accountant. What the hell do I know about digital marketing? But we know a couple of things. Yeah. So it's your second time? It's our second time. It's our second time. I think we're a bit Did more... you actually hit your target first time or did you have to release all the money back to the investors? Yeah, all, all went back. So we were only trying to raise about 350 last time and we got 350 to... 350 million? 350 grand. <laughs> <laughs> or 3.50 yeah. as uh, Suresh would be raising. <laughs> i tell you the other thing, Robert, I've, I've noticed is if you, if you raise a lot of money, you will find a way to burn through it. You just will. It's just what people do. Because all of a sudden you don't hustle for stuff. You don't try and negotiate the best you can. You just, oh, it is what it is. And these are the quotes that we've had. They all have the same ballpark. I'll pay. You just don't hustle. So because we've had to hustle, I think I like to think that our business is now built on that mantra. We, right? If that's your opening bid, I'm not paying that. We will get to a point where I'm happy and you're happy. But I'm not paying your opening. But hopefully then, if you're doing a second round of crowdfunding and you've, you've learned from your mistakes from the first time round, there will be a, a a positive model going out there that people can buy into in a much better way than they would have first time when they're buying into something that was untried and untested. Now you've got something that you've got a few years under your belt, you know what the market is, you've got some good realistic financial projections now, presumably. Well, yeah, I'll be honest, I, I, I think our projections were realistic right from, right from the off and they have been uh, validated by the sale of One for All. I don't know if you if you've come across that. Yeah, yeah, we know one for all. Yeah. Okay, so one for all got sold for a hundred million, and I always knew that that was a very realistic exit for us based on having one percent of the UK market alone. And that's what they did. Yeah. So, um, well, so you now got even, validated uh, on that. Yeah, you've got an example. But but what we've got is a process whereby we acquire customers and users for free, <laughs> and we're cash positive all the way through the process. So people, that's going to be a win-win. Yeah. You heard it first on this. <laughs> but by the way, we, we do not give financial advice just as a, <laughs> as a caveat to that one. If you choose to go on to crowdfunding and invest in this lovely individual. Before uh, we close, you know before what I we want close, to do, right? I yeah. actually want to ask the man on the street if they've ever heard of crowdfunding. Yeah. You know, and, and, and also what type of things would they invest in if something was on let crowdfunding? Me, let me just dial up Jeff, see where he is. Hello, Jeff. Are you there? Jeff. Can you tell me and ask random strangers on the street. what is crowdfunding? The man uh, on the street. It could be a woman. Can I ask you to just tell me your name, please? Vanessa. Vanessa, have you ever heard of the term crowdfunding? I sure have. Uh, how have you come into contact with crowdfunding? Through Facebook and social media. Have you ever been involved with it yourself? I've yeah. donated, yes. Oh, interesting. What, what sort of project did you create? It was for someone who needed medical... Um, equipment in the USA 
Have you ever seen any other opportunities to, to crowdfund for like uh, companies, you know, startup companies, that sort of thing? I've seen it, never participated. Would, might you be tempted after your first foray into it? I might do. Yeah. I think I'd need a lot more information, of course. What, what sort of things might you be tempted to, to crowdfund? Is there anything in your, you know, like a technology or apps or something that you think? Technology, definitely. Yeah. The future. So can I ask you to say your name first? My name? Oh, my yeah. name, yeah, it's, it's Peter Hunning. Pete, have you ever heard of the phrase crowdfunding? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, rock concerts, so is that where they, you know, they, they get a bit, bit of hysteria and they throw, the, throw someone forward towards a group, you know, pass them on their, on their, above their shoulders, you know, sort of thing? Oh, that, I think that might be no. crowdsurfing. No? My name's Chris. Chris, so do you know anything about crowdfunding? Um, a little bit. Um, I've heard of GoFundMe, which I believe is peer-to-peer um, sort of lending, but not really too much, to be honest with you. OK, have you ever used anything like that? No, not myself. No. You've never been attempted to invest any money uh, in a, like a company or anything like that? I have, but I'd need money to be able to invest. <laughs> <laughs> so what were, you, uh, what were you tempted to invest in? You said that you, you might have been. Um, to be honest with you, I would probably go for... Like the usual standard gold stuff that I know is going to provide a dividend sort of thing. But I mean, if it's interesting and I think, you know, it's a good idea, um, then then I would be tempted to invest. Would you be more tempted to invest in a, like a startup company? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, to be honest with you, they're the only ones worth investing in. Um, I wouldn't have the capital to invest in a big company. If you if you did, what sort of thing would you like to invest in? Like a you know tech company? Yeah, or? it would be tech because uh, if you get the right sort of tech company uh, from the beginning, then there's big dividends to be made there if, if it goes well, obviously. Well, but if you want to invest in me, then that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the man on the street. It could be a woman. Wow, I didn't expect well, that. No. No. Tish, it was a pleasure to meet you. Boys, it's been emotional. Thank you. We'll, we'll do this again. We'll get you back on once you've raised the money. Yeah, that'll be a good follow-up story. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, boys. See you Cheers. again soon. So, actually, Robert, one of the things that people have been saying to us is yeah. that they've been listening to the podcast when it's like the short snips on, uh, on, on LinkedIn. Yeah. And what they don't realise is actually we are on iTunes. Yeah. We are on Spotify. Um, Spotify now. I know. And Even my son is now listening to us because it's on Spotify. Well, he you, would never tune into anything else. But Spotify. Watch, watch your language if your son's on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll try and be <laughs> polite. So listen, guys. All you have to do is subscribe, and actually, you don't have to. Then you can listen to it on the train. You can listen to it offline on um, your private jet, boat, wherever you, are, you are. You're will. You can listen to it anytime. Island.